0: And welcome to the Plant School Podcast. I'm Rachel Tenney and here we learn all about plants, how they work, how to care for them, and it's all taught in a way that anyone from beginner to expert can listen to, understand, and enjoy. So I hope that you will join me in Plant School. Hello and welcome to the Plant School Podcast. I have to first apologize. I usually have like a very strict posting schedule for my episodes. They go up at like 4am on Thursdays. That's just the way it works. I set it on like a little schedule. And I'm not sure what happened. It is Thursday, but it is currently well while I record this, it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. So it's gonna come up a bit later. I just imagine someone going to like listen to a new episode in the morning on their way to work or something. And then it's not there and I just, I'm sorry if that was you. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm sorry if you went in this morning expecting an episode and whoops, Rachel forgot to do an episode. This is what happened, guys. I got sick over the weekend, such a bad fever and like chills and body aches. And I think I like fried part of my brain in the fever that I haven't quite been the same. I, my brain just is not on it this week so forgive me i'm hoping that most of my listeners probably won't even notice but anyways let's get into this because i have a giveaway winner to pick i promised last episode that i was going to pick one and i have not forgotten so this episode's winner is Tati rumsey and this is what she said in her review it was really sweet so she said i've been listening to plant school since summer of 2021 Woo woo! We got an OG (laughs) listener here. She goes on, I've learned so much about plants and what works best for me and my home. If I'm looking for a new plant and have an idea of the plant I like, I turn to plant school. It's been an amazing slash growing experience for myself and how to care for my plants. Thanks to Rachel, I have over 10 plants and have successfully grown cuttings. And I'm amazed at how awesome I've done with my plants. Thank you, Rachel and Sam, for your jokes and keeping it very interesting. I'm going to have to tell Sam that he was mentioned in this sweet review. Let him know that there is another person that appreciates his jokes. I appreciate them. It's one of the big reasons I married him was his humor. But Tati, thank you so much for your kind words. Go ahead and email me. My email is Plants T-E-N-N-E-Y, plants at gmail.com. And once you've emailed me, I'll go ahead and set up a way for me to sponsor your next plant shopping trip. And we can add to that 10 plants that you already have in your home. And just so you guys know, this isn't the only giveaway I'm doing. If you leave a review on Apple Podcasts and type something in, I will continually pick out from these reviews and right now I'm offering a free plant shopping trip. So if that sounds like fun to you, go ahead and leave a review and you'll have a chance to win in my next giveaway. Usually they're about every two episodes, maybe every three. I try and do them pretty frequently because I do appreciate my listeners. Speaking of which, thank you to those people who have signed up to be supporters of the podcast That means so much to me. Seriously, I dance around the house anytime I get an email that someone cares enough about this podcast to help me out and help sponsor it. And if you're wondering what the heck is a podcast sponsor, it's really simple. So there's a link in the description of every episode at the very, very bottom. It says support this podcast. And if you click on it, it'll take you to a place where you can sign up to donate a dollar a month. $5 every month or $10 every month. You can stop at any time if you'd like to, but it really helps me out. So if you'd like to help this podcast keep going and have some longevity, I would really appreciate that. And as always, I do have merch if you'd rather support the podcast that way. And that link is in the description of each episode as well. All right, so now that we've done the giveaway, let's get into today's episode, which is how to keep pets and kids safe around plants. This is one that I had for a really long time just kind of written on a list of future episodes I wanted to do and because of my cold that fried my brain I decided to do this one because I was working on a really research heavy episode and my brain just wasn't feeling it. I I was having a hard time staying awake with how icky I was feeling. So I decided to pull this one out and do this one. And that really research heavy episode will be coming in two weeks. It's a really fun one as well. But let's start by talking stats about pets and about houseplants. So as of this year, 66% of US households have pets. And I apologize to my international listeners. I could not find stats for worldwide pet owners. I really tried, but hopefully like the U.S. is a large enough sample size that it kind of reflects accurately on other countries too. So we're just going to have some U.S.-based stats, even though I know there are some of you that are not living in the U.S. So 66% of people have pets. That's a pretty massive amount of people, and as of 2021, 40% of homes have children living in the home. And this is meaning kids 18 and younger, so not legally an adult. And I feel like plants aren't really a risk for a large majority of that age range. Maybe like ages 6 and below. More realistically, probably 3 years old and below is really the age where you're kind of worried about your children and plants. But above that, I feel like they have a grip of why they shouldn't be playing with houseplants or eating them. I just don't see a 16-year-old going up and having an issue with plants. So really that 40% isn't accurately showing us what people might be listening and want tips for their kids because not a whole lot of people have kids three and below in your home. But similar to pet ownership, 66% of U.S. households own at least one houseplant which again, that's crazy. That's like two thirds of US households have a plant in them. Amazing. Honestly, anytime I meet someone who doesn't have a houseplant, that is literally my go to gift for them. So I'm doing my part to raise that percentage. <laughs> and plants do boost people's moods. So I'm also raising their happiness levels. I hope. I hope it's not the opposite. And it's Anxiety and stress-inducing for them to own a plant, but from those stats, we can see that it's pretty likely for someone to own a house plant, have a pet, maybe have a child under the age of three, or maybe all three of these things at the same time. I unfortunately don't have all three. I say unfortunately because Sam's allergic to both dogs and cats, and it makes me kind of sad because I do love cats. If I had to choose. I would be a cat person I do love dogs as well but cats kind of have my heart so since plants can be toxic and also be a safety hazard or more like their heavy pots can be a safety hazard how do we keep our kids safe our pets safe let's talk about that and before we do I want to go into kind of what it means for a houseplant to be toxic Because I don't want anyone to go into it thinking all houseplants are bad and that they're all going to kill us, because that's really not the case. So let's talk a little bit about that before we talk about how exactly to keep kids and pets away from them. Anything technically can be toxic, it's the potency and the dosage that really makes the difference. So, for example, if you drink too much water, you can die. So, is water toxic? Yeah, at a certain dosage, it can be. And if you consume too many Oreos, you can die. Oreos can be toxic. So you can kind of see how misleading this word can be. But before I move on from Oreos being toxic, I actually looked at how many Oreos you would have to eat to die, which is kind of a morbid thought. But there was someone on Kiora, 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 I don't know how to say it. Anyways, they dived into this question and apparently an average 180 pound person would have to eat 5.4 pounds of sugar to have a lethal overdose and die. And that equates to about, drumroll, 408 Oreos. That is a massive amount. I don't even know how many packages that is. Actually, let's look it up. How many Oreos in a package? I guess it depends on what size we're doing. But come on, let's be real. Everyone gets family size, right? Okay, let's let's base it on family size because those things are the best. Okay, so family size has 48 cookies. So 408 divided by 48 is eight and a half packages? That's actually not <laughs> as many as I was thinking. Still a massive amount, like eight packages, you think of that stacked up. That, that's quite a bit. So don't consume that much. I don't even know why you would want to do that. But anyways, back to back to my original thought of toxicity. If you have too much of anything, it could kill you. But some things are more potent, so a very small bit could kill you. So you need to be careful, even, you know, with small amounts. Something like formaldehyde would fall into that category And so with that said, we now know that all plants technically can be toxic, but it's their potency to kill you or an animal that we're talking about here. And it's very unlikely that the common house plants in our home could kill you. You would have to consume very large amounts, like eight and a half packages of Oreo, large amounts. Let's do some quick fire questions. Question one, what plants are toxic? technically all of them, because of what we just talked about. Question two, why are they toxic? They are toxic because they want to prevent themselves from being eaten by predators and things in the wild. Question three, what makes them toxic? So this one's kind of a longer answer. There's a lot of different chemical compounds, as there is isn't anything, that can cause a houseplant to be toxic. So a common irritant in, oh, so many houseplants, I made a list and it just kept going on and on is calcium oxalate. And we just talked about ZZ plants in our last episode, and this was something in ZZ plants. So it's the chemical that causes kidney stones. It's what it's made out of. It's just this very, it's almost like little shards of glass is kind of how it's formed. And so it can really irritate your skin and cause dermal irritation, swelling on the hands, mouth, throat, really wherever it comes in contact with. And if you eat it, it can cause an upset stomach. This is probably the most common irritant that houseplants can have. And it includes plants like this easy plant from last week, flamingo flower, caladium, ficuses, dumb cane, monsteras, philodendrons, peace lily, pothos, like the very, very common ones all seem to have this. Some different compounds that can cause problems in us include the clivia plant, which has a chemical that can cause nauseousness and diarrhea when ingested. English ivy has heterin, which makes sense. Its scientific name is heterohelic. So it has heterin, which causes a burning sensation in the throat and intestines. Schifleras have oxalic acid and saponins, which can cause vomiting, loss of coordination, along with other symptoms. But by far, calcium oxalates are the most common, which they can cause, like I said, the irritation and upset stomach. All right, so now that we've kind of covered the how, why, and when these plants can be toxic, we can get back to the bigger picture of protecting our pets and our kids from ingesting them or messing with them in a way that could potentially harm them. And before we do that, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll jump right back in. All right, I'm back and ready to cover... How to keep our pets and children safe. I have to say when I was researching for this episode and gathering different ideas of how to do this, at first with my research, I was worried someone was going to look at my search history and literally think I was on my way to do something to my family or something because my search history was like, how many Oreos does it take to kill someone? how much water does it take to kill someone? How much formaldehyde does it take to kill someone? You get the picture. And just like, what plants can kill someone? Just making sure that there aren't any common house plants that are really potent and things like that. And I was just shaking my head at my search history. So I really hope no one peruses around what I was searching because it seems really off. It was all in the name of science. Anyways, the search history for how to keep pets and kids safe felt much more safe to me. Let's start off on the children's side, because I do have children, and I want to share kind of how I keep mine safe. So they've all grown up, and are still growing up, with plants in the home. By the time I had my first, I already had a few plants. And so far, not one of them has consumed a single leaf stem or flower. So far, so good. Knock on wood that my tiniest doesn't grow up and try something new. But it kind of starts to be a concern when they can crawl and reach for things. But I would say by the time they're two, three, it stops being such a problem. You aren't too worried about them. They aren't in that very grabby age where they aren't really thinking about when they grab things. It's just kind of what they do. So I have had a few moments where my boys have gotten into the dirt and they've made a mess And yes, I was pretty upset. I think me being upset kind of helped them know that that was a no-no that they had done. And I did have them help me get the vacuum, help me clean it up. And we talk about why we don't take away the plant's dirt from the pot. And of course, the talking to... And them helping me vacuum is based on their age. I'm not going to make my nine-month-old try and maneuver a vacuum or anything. This is kind of when they're a little bit older and can help out. But I feel like that's been probably my biggest issue is just the fascination with the dirt. But I did see a YouTube video of a dad. He had put saran wrap over the soil so that their kid couldn't reach into the soil and be messing with it. This is genius, especially for those littles who just don't understand and just want something to play with. Sometimes they can just reach in and start throwing things and saran wrap can kind of help stop that. And if they have started grabbing plants, I do try and move them to an area that they can't reach for them until they are old enough to understand what no touching means. If it's a really heavy pot, I definitely put those where they're unreachable or they're just sitting on the floor so they can't accidentally be pulled down and cause harm to my kid. Another thing I like to do is involve my kids in my plant chores. So they're welcome to help me anytime they want. It kind of sparks a healthy curiosity, it lets them interact with them in an appropriate way and not in a harmful way. I do have one cactus. And it has definitely popped a few balloons in the midst of a game of like keepy uppy. I don't know if you guys have ever watched Bluey. It's basically keep the balloon off the floor is what it is. But in a game of keepy uppy, it's popped a few balloons. And they've been told multiple times to just never touch the cactus. And if I am worried about them messing with it, I just move it to an area that's not even reachable. I don't even want that to be a problem, especially with something so sharp. And now they're at the point where they just aren't interested in messing with my plants. They know that they're there, how much they mean to me. They often ask to help when I'm watering or fertilizing, putting up fly traps because I'm dealing with those fungus gnats. And I'm totally fine with them doing that. It's just those younger years that I kind of just have to keep an eye on my kids. But I did find some other ideas that I haven't talked about from other people So a lot of people recommended using lightweight plastic pots. If you're worried about them somehow pulling them off or them falling somehow, just don't use heavy pots. Another thing is swapping plants out for safer plants. So plants that aren't as toxic if your kid did accidentally consume one or get sap on them. Safe plants include like spider plants, Chinese money plant, Christmas cactus, African violets, wax plants stromants are on that list which I was really happy about because if you guys listen to my pink plant episode the tricolor stromanth was my favorite pink plant anyways I ended up getting one for my daughter who was born not very long ago and I was so happy that that is a safe one because it's her little pink plant sitting in her room and I'm glad that it's a safe one for her and then the last idea I found for kids that I didn't talk about was putting them in a plant cabinet whether it's one of those like bigger Ikea plant cabinets or maybe even one of those kind of small scale greenhouses you can put them in there to keep them safe and away from kids poking and prodding them but let's move on to pets I mentioned earlier that I don't currently have pets because of Sam's allergies but I did grow up with a lot of them and I do love them. So among other things, in the house we had house cats and I don't remember them ever causing any havoc on our houseplants. So I did a lot of research on what other people do for cats and for dogs because I feel like those are the two most common pets that might be getting into houseplants. I'm like racking my brain to think of like, oh, is there a pet I might have missed? I know I also had hamsters growing up, but they always stayed in the cage. Yeah, that's all. That's all I can really think of that might cause problems. You can send me an email and tell me what I missed. So if you're struggling with a cat wanting to mess with or eat a plant, and you can use this for dogs too, you can use the smell of citrus to deter them. So cats especially really hate The smell of citrus. So, you can use diluted lemon, lime, or orange juice on the plant or soil. Mix it up with water, put it in a spray bottle, and kind of spray it around. Whatever ones you're having a problem with, you can spray it on them, whether it's the soil or the leaves. I'm sure you could even use like diluted essential oils, would work because those are also very strong. And if you don't have any of those, They actually do have pet deterrent sprays sold commercially. I found one called Bitter Apples No Chew Spray, but there were so many different sprays that you can be using. I would just make sure that they are safe for houseplants, uh, maybe on like one leaf, just to make sure it's not going to cause any adverse effects before you do spray it on the whole plant. Another option, if your pets are messing with like the soil, I've heard that using blood meal can deter them. And blood meal is a common fertilizer. It's really heavy in nitrogen. It sounds gross kind of because it is gross. It is made from blood and blood is high in nitrogen. So they take it, how do they even, how is blood meal made? This, maybe this could be a whole nother podcast episode. How is blood meal made? Okay, so I'm looking it up. It says, Blood should be collected from abattoirs. I'm maybe I'm dumb, but what is that? Abattoirs definition. Oh, it's a slaughterhouse. Okay, that makes sense. Why do they have to call it? Why are they calling it that? Abattoir. Abattoir. Why are they calling it that? Is it because slaughterhouse just sounds icky. I don't know, you learn something new every day and now we know that blood meal is taken from abattoirs slash slaughterhouses. So they take this blood, which, you know, I'm glad that they recycle it instead of just letting it go to waste. So they take this blood, they make blood meal for fertilizer. Apparently it kind of has a smell to animals' really sensitive noses. So if you use that as a fertilizer for your soil, it can keep your dog and cat away from messing with the soil. Maybe they like to dig at it and blood mail is known to help with that. Another thing you can do is put plants out of reach from your pets. This one seems really obvious. You can get a plant cabinet, use a really tall planter, maybe like those ones that come with the little, like the wooden stands. You can install shelves and put them up on shelves. You can use hanging planters. Although I did see a picture of a cat who had somehow gotten up and was sitting in the hanging planter. And it just made me laugh. Cats are so funny. What's that one little quote that people say about cats? If I fits, I sits. I think that's what it is. Cats are just silly. So hanging planters may or may not work. Another option was having a plant room. This one seems kind of bougie to me because I don't have a whole lot of space. I don't have a room that I can just dedicate to plants and like keeping my kids out of it. So if you do have space though, go for it. You can have a plant room that your pets aren't allowed in if they are causing problems with it. Another option is to train your pets. You can use positive reinforcement to leave them alone. So if your dog or cat listens, I feel like this kind of more applies to just dogs. I feel like cats don't always listen. They kind of just do their own thing. So we'll gear this one towards dogs. If the dog listens and they leave the plant alone, you give them a treat. And if they aren't listening, you give a firm no. You can use a squirt bottle to show disapproval. I have definitely used a squirt bottle to train our cats not to use our furniture as as little scratch posts and ruin the furniture and drive my mother crazy. So squirt bottles do work. I also saw that they do have motion activated cans of compressed air and this could work for both dogs or cats. So this is new to me. Maybe you knew about it already, but they're like $50 on Amazon. And since it's motion activated, anytime your pet walks past, it will just puff out a spray of air, keeping them away from that area or away from that plant, depending on where you set it up. Pretty ingenious, if you ask me. All right, I have a few more suggestions. Let's see, I have one, two, three, four, five more suggestions. So since dogs and cats can sometimes mess with the soil cats maybe think that it can be their personal little litter box, there are some options to keep this from happening. So you can cover the soil with pine cones, large rocks, seashells, or even burlap because all of these things, they still let water through, but they feel uncomfortable for a dog or cat to dig through them. I have a friend that's currently dealing with neighborhood cat's coming into her planter beds and so she's been covering the area with pine cones to keep them out and away because they do not like walking on them. If your pet has a tendency to tip over plants you can use museum putty. It's kind of like sticky tack like poster tack and you put it on the bottom of the pot and it gives them extra grip and it's removable it's not destructive so that's really nice if you're you know worried about the surface you're putting it on. And moving back to soil, I should have put these two together, but both cats and dogs might dig due to anxiety or boredom and redirecting them with a different activity, whether it's a toy or a designated digging spot in your yard or somewhere else that can keep them away from your houseplant soil. It could even be taking them on a walk and letting them have outdoor time just to kind of get rid of that energy they may be directing toward your house plant. And speaking of chew toys, if you have a cat that just really loves to chew on your plants, you can get cat grass, which is a cat friendly grass that your cat can nibble on and mess with and it doesn't harm them at all. I know our cats love to eat just like our lawn grass. I don't know if that's a normal thing. I feel like it is. I think eating that grass kind of induces vomiting and getting rid of their hairballs, you know? So I think that's why cats are so prone to just nibbling on plants is to kind of help induce getting rid of their hairballs. It's kind of gross. But that's the way the world goes round. All right, last tip. I want to mention what plants are safe in case you're like you know what I'm gonna get rid of all my plants and I'm only gonna have safe ones so I don't even have to worry about it you can do that you you could if you want to so here are some safe plants palms Boston ferns actually I think any ferns are safe but Boston fern is probably the most common one that you can get Venus fly traps if you're into carnivorous plants bromeliads Herbs, so if you're growing rosemary, thyme, any of those, they're all safe. And honestly, because they do have a stronger smell to them, I don't think dogs and cats really like to even mess with those too. Spider plants are safe, African violets, there are more, but those are some of the more common, safe houseplants if you wanted to go that route. And that was my last tip for keeping pets safe around them. I hope that you guys learned something new for how to keep maybe your kids or pets or both safe from houseplants and maybe dealing with any sort of uncomfortable situation that they could perhaps cause. Thank you so much for listening and I hope that you'll be here in two weeks for a brand new episode. Hopefully it'll be out at its normal time at 4am and I won't get sick and have my brain fried and forget. Let's hope. Thanks again and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for being here and for listening to the plant school podcast i hope that you will join me for our next episode and if you would like to support this podcast and keep it going there's a link down in the show notes of this episode where you can donate to this podcast and i really appreciate all that help Or you can go to my merch store, which is also linked in the notes of this episode, and you can find some really cool plant-related shirts and stickers. And if you want to support the podcast but spend no money, feel free to share it with a friend, leave a review, all these things greatly help me out and allow me to keep doing this. Again, thank you so much for listening and for being here at the Plant School Podcast.